This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, as always, if you'd like more information about what you hear on this great show today, you can go to our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Lots of great, useful information on there. One of the things is the radio page that you can click on all of our past shows and see what shows Tony and I do weekly on uh, the website. You can also listen to our program on Spotify um, at any time as well. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the debt ceiling and what that might mean for your portfolio, because as many of you probably know, we've had lots and lots of discussions recently in the news about the debt ceiling. Uh, I had lots of people calling and ask me about this. So Mr. Shore and I are going to talk a lot about the debt ceiling today. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm doing great. And wow, this is a crazy topic. Um, it's coming down to the wire here. And, uh, it's interesting. A lot of people don't understand what it is everybody's talking about and why this is such a big deal. Um, I'm glad we're going to dig into this a bit today. Um, it, it is a hot topic, uh, and I mean hot. It's um, it's uh, a lot of people are debating this topic, and uh, there are, I think, good and bad points on both sides. I think they're kind of making a big deal out of it. Uh, it is a big deal, obviously, if we default, but I don't, I don't foresee that happening. But we'll dig into that, see what's going on. You know, um, I've been good though. I've been enjoying the spring slash summer weather that we're enjoying now. I've been trying to get outside a little more. How about you? It's been beautiful here in the Rogue Valley for sure. It's yeah. a nice little change of events. We had tons of rain this winter, so back, uh, back in the swing of things now. And you know, it's interesting you bring it up, Tony. You know, lots of portfolio managers that I talk to kind of place the debt ceiling maybe in their top 15 most concerns that make them, you know, stay up at night, but it's never in the top five and rarely in the top 10. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, it's always here. That's always something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Clearly when there's nothing else uh, in the news channels to talk about, but this, it gets a lot of, it gets a lot of pressure in play. Um, I thought uh, what I'd first do, Tony, is maybe give us some key takeaways um, uh, about, you know, the government budget. So in the last 50 years, the federal government budget has run a surplus, meaning we have more money than we spend five times. And most recently that was back in 2001. Do you remember which president was in office in 2001, Tony? Obama. There was two actually. Clinton started the year Ah. and he's the one who was kind of named to be the last president to balance the budget. And then George W. uh, took over from him. Ah, Okay. Okay. So that was before Obama. That's right. That's right. And so that was the last time that we actually had a surplus with government, um, you know, with the government budget. Uh, Now a deficit on the flip side occurs when the money that goes out obviously exceeds the money that's coming in for a given period of time. And so, you know, this is typically used to pay for government programs 
um, you know, the federal government borrows money by selling our treasury bonds and bills and other securities. And, um, you know, the, the national debt is just the accumulation of this borrowing along with any of the interest that's owed to the investors that have purchased our securities. And so that's just kind of a, an idea about what we're talking about, how things uh, work when you're thinking about, you know, the, the government budget, Tony. Sure. Well, yeah. And I know that uh, they've raised the debt ceiling how many times? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, since so it's, it's something like 70 plus times since it was enacted in the 20s. And we'll get into those details as well. Yeah. Pretty funny, you know? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> um, the debt ceiling can affect people's, I mean, this could, obviously, if we default, it's going to affect a lot of things. I mean, um, so understanding what the debt ceiling is, is important, right? And I mean, you said, what is the debt ceiling at? It's reached what? 31.4 trillion. That's right. So the current, uh, debt ceiling is at 31.4 trillion and that's known as the debt ceiling. Now on January 19th of this year, uh, we actually <clears throat> knew that we had been and received, uh, to be right at that level. Right. Okay. And so what does that mean? I mean, most simply, that means that, you know, the debt ceiling is how much money the government has used to fund that spending like we talked about. And it's the maximum amount under law that the government can borrow using bonds. OK, um, to fund things that are very, very important in our country. Most importantly, probably to our listeners, uh, the, these, you know, the things that those bonds fund are Social Security and Medicare and all of our military salaries. Uh, also, this is to cover any interest that we have on our national debt and um, tax refunds and other payments. And so, like we just talked about, the the current limit is thirty one point four trillion dollars. Um, now, the most important thing probably to remember is that this number is tied to previous spending. Tony, this is not current or future spending. Okay, it's basically just paying back the legal obligations that we have already made. And so that's kind of bad when you think about it. But, um, you know, you asked initially, you know, since since uh, 1917, that was when uh, legislators put in, um, you know, the idea of uh, a debt ceiling. And it's because they were very, very opposed to um, runaway debt. Um, now, since then, though, <laughs> it's been lifted 78 times. And this has happened under both Republican and Democratic administrators. Um, both parties have been at fault for this, trying and wanting to spend more money on social programs, Tony. Wow. Well, yeah. And I mean, I yeah, the it's crazy. And I don't think you can necessarily blame one side or the other, but uh, we don't want to default. And I think it's a lot of political posturing, right? They're going to take it right, right to the line. But uh, do you really think they're going to let it default? No, I mean, it, it, you know, the last time we were really in a situation where we had um, enough news around this and issues thinking that maybe we would default was, you know, um, in the, in the last financial crisis. So eight Oh nine and then on to 10 and 11. And, yeah. and um, <clears throat> you know, at that point, I seem to remember talk of it when Obama was in office. Yeah. M money market accounts did break the buck. Most people say, okay, here's a money market account and the value of the money market's a dollar. Right. And it's based off of very short term U.S. Treasury securities, typically. And those investments did go down to ninety nine and ninety eight cents very, very temporarily back then because of the issue of thinking that the the, the debt is, you know, the ceiling is is where we're at. And we're not going to be able to repay it. And back then, Tony, when we had those issues, 
uh, it was costing taxpayers about a billion dollars a day to make sure that we were coming up with the with the correct numbers here. Um, let me give you an example. So last year in 2022, the government spent $6.3 trillion, oh. and we only collected $4.9 trillion in revenue. So anybody can look at those numbers and go, oh, my gosh, are you serious? So we basically spent one almost $1.5 trillion more than we actually brought in. And um, those numbers are staggering when you think about them. <clears throat> and, and it's definitely something that is always on politicians' minds because when they come up with different ideas and things that they want to do, you got to figure out how you're going to pay for it. And that's been the biggest thing. That's also why it takes so long for the president and uh, typically the other party. So in this case, Mr. Biden, as well as the Republicans, to come to some type of an agreement. Well, yeah, and uh, they're they're both political posturing. They, you know, it's like they're playing chicken with, uh, you know, with our economy and the American people. So it kind of makes me angry, right? I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like both sides are in a car speeding towards each other, and they want to see who blinks first. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like that, isn't it? That's exactly right. And once all of our other measures have been exhausted, you know, the only option is to either raise or suspend the ceiling. Um, And it just takes a long time for them to play chicken like you're talking about to figure out who wants what. And on top of that, we're in a situation where Mr. Biden is up for reelection in 18 months. And so clearly the Republicans are making this uh, political um item to discuss to see how he's going to respond to things because that could have a great impact on uh, if he decides to run, um, you know, his outcome, right? If he doesn't balance the budget or if we default (laughs) on the dollar, which we've never done before, he'd be the first president to have that happen. um, That would not bode well for him uh, in reelection. No, (laughs) no, it it wouldn't. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, who's going to blink, right? That's the question. Yeah. I think they'll let it go down to the wire and then they'll figure it out. Um it, it seems that way anyway. Uh but you know, it seems like it this is story this time is getting a lot of play, like you say. So, um uh the government hasn't defaulted. You mentioned January 19th, but the government yep. hasn't defaulted yet. No, no, we have not. And actually we have enough revenue estimated somewhere to uh, have the money last into the first couple of days of June. Now, here, here's the interesting thing that's been on the news a lot lately. You know, the next round of significant um, money coming into the to the tax system is June 15th, because that's when estimated taxes are due next, right? And so a lot of people are thinking, well, if we can just get to June 15th, it won't really be an issue. We'll have more time to buy because more money will come in. And that is true, but that's pretty selfish when you think about it from that well, perspective, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, more. I think more importantly, most people ask uh, me something like, you know, well, what's going to happen if the debt ceiling isn't raised or if, if it is suspended? Yeah, and, what happens? Yeah, what happens then? And so that, that that's the difficult part. So at its most basic level, the government will run out of cash and be unable to issue new debt and, and won't be able to pay its bills. And it literally could default on its debt um, if it can't make payments to bondholders. And this, this would be a huge ripple effect, obviously, uh, throughout the entire economy. Um, 
our borrowing costs for everyone in America would increase for sure. Um, so that that's just something that would hurt everyday Americans eventually. Uh, on top of that, you know, a failure to make payments that are due, whether it's to bondholders or Social Security recipients or to our military, is going to clearly cause a recession in our U.S. economy. Um, and it probably will ripple into uh, a global financial crisis if that happens. Why? Because the dollar is the strongest currency and everybody still bases things off of um, off of our dollar. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, that that is what happens. And, you know, uh, I heard Janet Yellen talk about this and she said, hey, this is serious. If we let it default, uh, the dollar is basically the, you know, the preferred currency. It is the the, the globally recognized currency and we could lose status if we default and the dollar would be hit. I think it would affect the markets and inflation. So it really can affect each and every one of us drastically and the overall American economy, if not the world economy is what you're saying. That's exactly right. And there are many different economists that look at the federal budget and try to come up with some statistics about, you know, what, what it would really mean to the U S economy. And, you know, late last fall, uh, there was a couple of different economists that came up and, and kind of estimated this because they knew that by January 19th, the government uh, could be in a situation where they basically were needing to raise the debt ceiling. And what they came up with for this round, based on the size of our of our economy, is that it could lead up to almost six million dollars or six million jobs lost, uh, I oh. should say, uh, and it would wipe out about 15 trillion dollars in household wealth um, oh. and increase employment to almost 10 percent. Right. So when you think about those numbers and when politicians think about those numbers, those are catastrophic events. Catastrophic is, events. That's exactly the, the, the words I think Janet <laughs> Yellen and a number of other top people use. So they're not going to allow this to happen. I they mean, can't allow it no, to happen. I mean, it's they really neither, can't. neither side would win uh, if, that's if right. we default. And, and that's what you're saying. But here's what I'm thinking, Nick, on this whole thing. Uh, it's only $31 trillion. Uh, <laughs> you could just, I mean, you've got that, you, you've got that much uh, cash just dig into your, uh, you know, uh, what you have on hand, right? I mean, you could, why don't you help the government out? Nick. Well, and you know the uh, when you get to the level that we're at with trillions and trillions of dollars, it, going it really around, desensitizes us because uh, no one really grasps what that really is. That's yeah, it becomes meaningless because it's no, so big, right? I mean, we're going to talk, you know, later in the show. Uh, people have asked, you know, like what can be done to avert a default, and there are options, you know, and. Um, some of the things that have been talked about by m many different economists um, include things like selling the nation's gold reserves, okay, um, or minting a trillion dollar coin that is just kept in the treasury. So I, I don't know why that makes a difference, but I guess it could. I've heard that you know, one. I read um, about that one. Isn't that crazy? Like a year, uh, last <laughs> time this came up, they talked about minting a trillion dollar coin. Like who's going to protect? Yeah, everyone in the world would try to steal it, right? I mean, to totally. It's like the be the best heist idea in history, the best movie of trying to heist a diamond or art or whatever. Yeah, forget you know. diamonds and art. Let's go after the coin that's worth one trillion, one trillion dollars. dollars. Well, hey, 
Uh, before you go into that, though, on some of these ideas and other things, let's take a quick break here and let our listeners know uh, we're talking about the debt ceiling. It is fascinating. It's fun to talk about. Uh, it's scary at the same time. Uh, almost it's like a hot potato. Nobody wants to touch this one, but yet everybody's <laughs> talking about it. And I think you've done a really good job in trying to explain what this is about, what the debt ceiling is. You talked a bit about what happens if the debt ceiling is not raised and uh, it's going to uh, promote uh, an American economical crisis as well as probably a global financial crisis. So yes. uh, some of the stats you said, you said 6 million jobs lost, 15 trillion in household wealth uh, loss. Uh, it's just uh, crazy. Now, obviously, we should be prepared for market volatility if something like this did happen, right? Sure thing. And, you know, I want to mention one thing before we, we move forward here, Tony. I've talked to a lot of clients recently, and we have just gone through a very difficult time in the markets. Last year was a terrible uh, <clears throat> run on the markets. Uh, we've had three banks that have failed, right? Um, interest rates are back to where they were in 2009, and now we've got the debt issues that we're talking about all very, very important things. But the market has optimistically been very, very good so far this year. Um, and sure. so most likely this will get figured out and handled. Um, but there's always the case that it wouldn't. And if it didn't, something like this would clearly stir up significant market volatility. Uh, we actually had some some very similar situations like this happen back in 2011, like we talked about earlier in the show. Um, but in 2011, we actually did avoid, you know, that default and, and we could definitely use, you know, that, that time and that, um, information as a roadmap to what might happen today. I mean, in that situation for a very temporary situation and time period, stocks did go down and, uh, we had issues, uh, with everything that you could think of, even including money market funds, like we're talking about, there was people just like with a run on the bank, there's people that were trying to sell everything and freeze their assets and bring them all out of the market. And you know, that, that is never a healthy thing. Um, and, and so it's very, very difficult to think through the possibility of that happening. Yeah. Um, and what happened in 2011 is ultimately the government came to the realization that they had to raise the ceiling and they did. And then everything went back to normal. And the unfortunate thing with markets is there's always some disruptors, you know, and you're going to see that from time to time. Luckily living in the country that we do, we have never been in the situation where there's been such a disruption that it has been catastrophic uh, and lasted for a very long period of time. But this does happen in many other countries. I mean, there's tons of countries that have to deal with this on a much more regular basis and have much less infrastructure and, and cash on hand and, and um, natural resources to be able to withstand something like this, Tony. Yeah, yeah that's true. And uh, you, you do have to be careful. I, I, again, we're not saying this is going to happen. You know, it's like the sky is falling, doom and gloom. Uh, we don't actually think this will happen, but obviously investors would be impacted by a default, right? Yeah. So there's three main things I think we should talk about that would really affect um, investors, right? The sure. first is your 401k plans um, and the financial markets would definitely be at risk. And th there's nowhere to hide. 
um, bonds, equities, the dollar, everything would, would be affected. And so a lot of people today have talked to me and said, well, let's just go to cash. Well, what if your, your cash isn't worth as much? Because just like we've experienced in the last 12 months, inflation's gone up and so the cash and dollar is worth less. Well, if we default on our debt, it's going to be worth, worth much less. You know, so maybe that's not the the correct thing to consider and think about. But th- th- that's the number one thing that people probably talk to me about. What happens to my investments and what types of financial markets are at risk when this happens? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I, I know those are things you work with uh, for your clients. You work on these things anyway, regardless of what we're facing. It's important to look at these things on a regular basis. Uh, you know, uh, your 401k your IRAs, uh, always walk, watch out and prepare for market volatility. Um, so what can they do to avert a default, do you think? Well, so we talked about a couple of different things that they could do and that could happen, right? Um, clearly, uh, you know, just working on keeping the money flowing and, you know, selling any suspended investments uh, in retirement funds is going to help. Right. Right. But the other options, um, you know, that the treasury department can try to avert is figuring out things like prioritizing their payments. Now, one thing that we didn't talk about was how bad this could be for social security and Medicare. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because Tony, what percentage do you think of the federal budget goes towards just those two amazing social programs? I do not know. It's it's 35%. 35%. A third. It's, a third. it's over a third. So a third of the federal budget goes to Social Security and Medicare. Wow. And, you know, probably the number one question I get asked when people come in is, what's going to happen in 10 years? Because on my Social Security statement, it says that I'm only going to get 80% of my payout or 78% of my payout of my Social Security. And what that really means is there's only enough money in the government budget today to actually pay that out. So it's going to have to be changed if we're going to keep social security at a hundred, the same way that it is today. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, And they'll um, make adjustments. Uh, they have in the past to keep it short up. I don't think we're in real danger of social security going away, but your benefits may be affected, right? Definitely. They could be the, the last thing I was going to mention too earlier that would probably um, definitely happen is, you know, consumer interest rates are going to rise sig- significantly. So anything that we buy, anything that we use for borrowing, right? Uh, mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, all of them are going to go up and up significantly if um, if we defaulted, yeah. clearly. Because our debt, was, you know, because our, our buying power is not worth the same. Yeah. Right? We're not, we're not as good. But you had asked, Tony, I'm sorry, you had asked, you know, what other things could we do? And so we talked a little bit about this earlier in the show, but, you know, some some options that have come to light are things like selling the nation's gold reserves. Yeah. That uh, has been a big thing, something to consider. Also, the minting, like we said, of a trillion dollar <laughs> coin, the trillion dollar coin. Um, also, the president does have the opportunity to invoke the 14th Amendment to uh, override the debt limit. Um, I've heard about that. Uh, Biden's been threatening to do that. Now, uh, the Supreme Court would probably uh, go against that, though. They're saying that they'd say, no, you can't do that. But yes, um, he could do it to avoid the default. And then after they decide, no, you can't do it, then we'd just kick the can down the road a few more days. 
That's right. And, you know, the other thing that a lot of people have talked about recently is, well, if we've always got this problem and we've raised the debt limit like 70 plus times, why don't we just eliminate it by statute? Because we could vote and just say, let's just eliminate it. it. That's how it started. It started with a vote that said, we don't want the debt to be so out of control. So let's go ahead and limit it. Um, but the problem with that is it would just be deeply unpopular, you know, and, and you're going to always have a crisis or could always have a perennial crisis if that happens. And um, the best real way for us to figure this out and neutralize the controversy is by budgeting, right? Cutting spending. We talk about this in our own limiting, households all the time on this show. spending, right? Every single, here's the interesting <laughs> thing. It's crazy. You know, um, politicians um, do what is do what they believe is right based on the people that voted for them in their respective territories that they come from. But many politicians are only in office for a couple of years, okay, or two, three, four, two, two, two year terms, four year terms, yep. eight years, twelve years, whatever. The point I'm trying to make is that's a very short period of time to make your own mark. And so every single one, I don't care what, which side of the the fence you're on politically, they come to the table this year, uh, you know, when you're going through an election and say, I'm going to do this. And and they don't care what it's going to cost because they have they want to do that. Right. That's just how it works. But what if I compared that to your own spending plan? Would you would you go into retirement at the age of 65 and think to yourself, I don't really care what's going to happen two years from now. I just care what's going to happen right now. That's not a plan. No. Right. No. I mean, it, it would be like it would be like <laughs> I've got, you know, one hundred thousand dollars in this retirement account saved up for retirement and I need to save more, uh, but I'm going to spend it all now. Yeah. Or we'll I've got a million dollars a year to live on in retirement, but I'm going to spend it all today. I mean, nobody's going to try to do that. That's not yeah. what people want. To, and why? It's because of the moral hazard. They're thinking to themselves, OK, well. Um, I can't do that or I'll have no money left. Yeah. Well, the government doesn't think that. (laughs) Every dime I've got today, what am I going to do to pay my rent, uh, buy gas and food tomorrow? That's right. And so what needs to happen, like we just talked about, is uh, budgeting about the, you know, proposed budget from the onset. We need to have more politicians come together and understand how important it is and and try to figure that out, uh, you know, in a better basis than what we do today. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been a great discussion, great show today, but we're out of time. Uh, Nick, do you have anything else you want to add before we go? Well, I just tell our listeners, as always, visit our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Hopefully you'll find um, the topic today as well as the ones that we share with you on our website uh, informative and um, reach out and ask us to do uh, different shows for you as well. We'd love to do that. Yeah, we'd love to cover topics you want to hear about. That does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk with our host, Nick Jones. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. 
fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.